Hi, it's dating coach Chris Luna from Craft Charisma. Welcome to the Craft Charisma podcast, our free audio coaching program where we interview the top experts in the world at helping you become the man you've always wanted to be. My guest today is Dr. Robert Glover. Dr. Glover is a psychotherapist who's been a licensed marriage and family therapist for over 30 years. He's the author of the best-selling book, No More Mr. Nice Guy, a proven plan for getting what you want in love, sex, and life. Through his book, online classes, workshops, podcasts, blogs, and therapy groups, Dr. Glover's helped change the lives of countless men around the world. So Robert, I, I recently read your book. Uh, I think it's absolutely awesome. Can you talk about where you developed the ideas for, for the book and, and what exactly is nice guy syndrome? Well, the, the book, No More Mr. Nice Guy, is autobiographical. It came out of my own recovery experience, and which began about 20-plus years ago. I was married at the time, uh, took pride in being a nice guy. I thought that was really a good thing, to, to be a nice guy that treated everybody well and didn't treat people badly. But what I didn't realize is that that also led to me being fairly secretive, hiding things, uh, not being clear or direct about my wants or needs, seeking approval. And, and I was married at the time, and my wife started confronting me about my passive aggressiveness, and I didn't really even know what passive aggressiveness was. And she says, you got to go get some help. So I started going to, to therapy in a 12-step group to basically try to figure out why being a nice guy didn't wasn't more effective on my wife. Why did why she still get angry at me? Why didn't she want to have sex with me? Why wasn't it working? And I began to realize that my, my world paradigm of thinking that if I was a really good guy and treated everybody well, then everybody would like me and I'd have this smooth, problem-free world, I started realizing that that paradigm just didn't work. It wasn't realistic. And at the same time, I was a marriage and family therapist, and I started seeing a lot of the guys that were coming, usually with their wives or girlfriends, and they were saying the same thing I was. I could finish their sentences. They say, I'm such a nice guy. I'm not a jerk like her ex-husband or ex-boyfriend. I treat her well. I raise her kids, but it's never good enough. She's never happy. So I'm always wrong. She's always mad at me. She never wants to have sex with me. And I started thinking, wow, there's a lot of other guys who see the world just like I do, and it isn't working very well for them either. So actually the book came out of a, a group I started years ago where we met every other Wednesday. It was a No More Mr. Nice Guy group. And I started writing some chapters to give these guys whenever we met every other week. And people kept saying, you should write a book. You should go on Oprah. Well, I never went on Oprah, but uh, the book did come out in 2003. And, um, and, and it really is as I said, autobiographical about me using other people's stories. And, and since that time, I've really come to see that there really are multitudes of nice guys all over the world who have this same paradigm that they believe if I'm just a good guy, people will like me and love me. If I take care of everybody else's needs without them asking, then they'll take care of my needs without me asking. And if I just do everything right, I'll have this smooth, problem-free world. And unfortunately, those I call those covert contracts just don't work in the real world. This is excellent. Robert, as I was reading your book and even listening to your story just now, there's just so much of myself that I could see in it from an earlier phase when I definitely suffered from nice guy syndrome. So I know there's some general truths here, and I know this is incredibly pertinent for a lot of the people who are listening. Mm -hmm. One of the questions I have is that a lot of women will say that they're looking for a nice guy 
In fact, if you ask them, in certain cases, they'll say that's all they're looking for is a nice guy. But a woman's definition of a nice guy is often very different from a typical man's description of what a nice guy is. Can you talk a little bit about what about the differences? Yeah, and that's such a big question and, and such a, an area of frustration for so many men because men, yes, do hear women say that, oh, I want a nice guy. And, and maybe we hear them complain about the jerk that's treating them badly, but yet they're head over heels in love with. In fact, I even recorded a podcast, are women lying when they say they want a nice guy? Now, it really does depend. Well, there's two factors here. One is that I often tell men, don't uh, assume that women make rational relationship decisions. They don't. They tend to make emotional relationship decisions, and they tend to be attracted to men that create what I call emotional tension for them. And we, we can talk more about that as we go. And nice guys, unfortunately, because they're seeking women's approval, they do nothing that will create emotional tension for a woman. They, they aren't bold. They don't touch her. They won't take risks. They won't be teasing. They won't be playful. They won't set the tone or take the lead. They... they Anytime you start seeking a woman's approval and trying to get her to like you, you actually do nothing that will make her biologically attracted to you. So when women say they want a nice guy, yes, of course they want a decent guy to be with, a guy that's not going to lie to them, a guy that's not going to cheat on them, a guy that's not going to steal their money, sleep with their best friend. But they don't want the passively pleasing man that's always saying, well, what do you want to do? Would you, do you want to do this? Sure, it doesn't matter to me. I don't care, whatever you want. And that just doesn't turn women on. Yeah, they want you essentially to be the leader in the relationship. Well, and they really do. And that's a lot of the work that I do with men now, both in relationship and in dating. And I, I call it setting the tone and taking the lead. And what most nice guys hear is take control. And I, and I tell them, no, I'm not talking about control. I, don't, I, I use those words very specifically. It's not about controlling anybody, but it's about showing up with a plan. And most of the men I work with around dating, and, and I, I got divorced about 12 years ago, was out in the dating world. I hadn't dated since college. I didn't do it very well back then. And so I had to learn how to date effectively. And I learned a lot. And one of the key things I learned is show up with a plan. You know, don't leave it up to the woman. Would you like to go out sometime? What would you like to do? Say, hey, I'm going to go do this thing Friday night. You should come join me. You know, have a plan invite her to come join you into that space. And, and I just, as a marriage therapist for over 30 years, I think one of the biggest complaints I hear from women is that the guy burdens the woman with having to make all the decisions. Well, what do you want to do tonight? What do you want for dinner? And the women are telling me, just make a decision. Just have a plan. I don't want to make all the decisions. So when you make a decision, show up with a plan, it creates some emotional tension for the woman. It gives her something to be drawn into rather than her having to climb in the driver's seat and, and take the wheel. Such great advice. I mean, I can think of so many examples, both on a personal level or with clients. I mean, on a personal level, I'll never forget one time I was uh, with an ex-girlfriend and wonderful, wonderful person. She ended up moving to the other side of the country. And uh, we were out at dinner and... I was just exhausted. It had been a long day. I had been really busy. And I went to go meet her for dinner. And she's all dressed up, ready to go. And I asked her, where, where, where do you want to go? And she goes, oh, I don't care. And so we kind of go back and forth. So we start walking. I'm like, oh, let's just find something. We'll find something. And so we start to go. We start walking through uh, Soho in New York City. 
And I'm like, oh, well, how about this or how about that? And she's like, oh, I don't care. And, and pretty soon uh, you can see it starting to aggravate her. And she had good enough communication skills where she just stopped me and said, uh, you know what? I don't really care what you pick. I just want you to pick. Mm-hmm. And this is not something, I mean, I, I coach people and stuff. This is not something I normally, normally do. And I've been coaching them for a long time. But every once in a while, as men, we, we all kind of do this. And it's important, I think, that we catch ourselves when we're doing this. If the woman's communicating to us that, hey, like, I want you to lead. I want you to be a man. I want you to, to assert yourself. And, and I think certain guys get confused that if they, they attempt to do this, they're, um, the women might get upset. But women, if, you, if you, you have a plan, what I've found is that women will often tell you, they're, they're good at communicating, hey, I don't want to do this, but I'll do this instead. So you yeah. give a girl, hey, here's option A, here's option B. If they don't like A or B, they'll tell you, hey, how about option C? And uh, I think I think this is just a really important idea. And another place that I see this again is is uh, with clients when we're out coaching them. We take them onto a bar club onto the street, and they approach women, and they don't really have a plan. They're like, "Oh, I'm just going to walk up and I'll talk to her," but they don't think clearly about where they want to go next. Are they going to? You mentioned earlier, are they going to try to touch her? Are they going to try to move her? Are they trying to get her phone number to set up a date? But they don't have clear intent. Yeah, and and the intention is everything, and and I'll, I'll, we can even segue into that. A part of the, going back to the being nice, one of the reasons that nice guys don't tend to create the emotional tension that I'm talking about from women, and I, I'll call it the positive emotional tension when you consciously are doing things that will biologically create an emotional ah for the woman. Oh yeah, you know, one of the things that that the nice guys do is because we've. Many of us have been raised to think that sex is bad and that women think sex is bad and that women think men who want to have sex with them are bad, is that we repress our, our sexual intent. And, and that doesn't mean, I, I, I talk with men all the time about being conscious of, of, of letting go of your attachment to outcome. Buddha says that's the cause of all suffering. So for example, if you get attached to, I want that woman to like me, well, you're just going to suffer a lot when you get that attached to that specific of an outcome. But so when I, when I talk about having your, intent, your sexual intention, women know why we're talking to them. We're talking to them because they have breasts, and, and we might want to see them naked at some point. They know that. But so many nice guys think that the women are going to think we're creeps or we're hitting on them or we're those bad men they complain about. So we even hide it from ourselves that the reason we're talking to a woman is that there's a sexual intention to it. And so that's another really important piece that if, if your, your guys listening to this have kind of grown up with this mentality that I want to be the nice guy, I want to be different than those bad men, be aware of where maybe they've repressed or, or compartmentalized their sexual intention towards women. Because if, if you've hidden your sexual intent, there's nothing to create a spark for the woman. And I guarantee you, if you're seeking her approval and hiding your sexual intention, you'll end up in the friend zone. And, and guys complain about women putting them in the friend zone. And I tell men, a woman doesn't put you in the friend zone. You put yourself there, either by seeking her approval and validation and or hiding your sexual intention from her. Yeah, that's such a great point. Se- sexual intent. I mean, I think about a lot of the guys who come through our classes and the listeners. I get feedback from the listeners to this podcast. And a lot of them are uncomfortable with the idea of sex. 
Uh, they're uncomfortable with the fact that they have sexual needs. Are there any tips that you could give to the guys who are listening on how they can more clearly communicate uh, their sexual interest or, or sexual intent in a way that is not going to give the, uh, get them completely rejected? For example, like um, some guys uh, misunderstand this as, well, I'm, I'm on an online dating site. I'm going to send her a picture of my dick. Because um, <laughs> because I want her to know that there's sexual intent here. Like I think that there is a balance between, or there is a kind of like a negotiation. I, I often think about it in the terms that when you first meet, well, when you when you're interacting with something, someone, and and you're the most direct about your sexual intent, the most direct thing you could say is, "I want to have sex with you," or be a little bit more crude. I want to fuck you. I, I want to eat out your pussy or something very direct. You're probably not going to say that when you first meet somebody. So, but you might say that to somebody that you're in a long-term relationship with or somebody that you're already sexually, um, sexually, sexually in, in involved with. In fact, you're probably going to be sexually direct with somebody you're sexually involved in. Otherwise you're going to lose, you're not going to have, uh, the sexual chemistry in order to sustain the relationship. So how does somebody go from, that first interaction where they're like, hi, how are you? Um, or that introduction <laughs> yeah. to, to the hi, point. I, wanna, I have sex with you, yeah. Yeah, exactly, to uh, like where they're direct. Well, let, let, let's talk about finesse. But, but first of all, yeah, two rules of, of online dating communication. Never post pictures of you holding a fish and never post pictures of your penis. Um, neither of those things tend to turn women on. Um, and, and it's one of the mistakes that men make about women. We think that they are turned on by the same thing about us that we're turned on about them. And that's one of the big mistakes we make. And, and the other thing, what you're really saying is, is that we guys tend to be black and white. You know, it's kind of like either I'm a creep or I'm a player. You know, it's one of the two. It's like there's, there's nothing in between. And so it's really a matter, there's two things I think really involved here with the sexual part. One is really accepting that it's okay for me to be a sexual person. And, and I grew up in a very fundamental religious church. I grew up in the 60s and 70s where I heard all the angry feminists talk about all the bad men and, and, and an erection was a sign of aggression towards women. And I mean, so I grew up with all this negative noise about sex. And, and I really did believe women didn't like sex and didn't and, and, and thought men were bad that wanted to have sex with them. Now, I, I actually did a, a shitload of therapy to work out a lot of those issues. And then I, once I became aware that those beliefs were probably distorted, I started consciously looking for ways to challenge them. And, and I did start being mo, more overtly sexual in my intent. Now, as I said, we, we men, especially nice guys, are, are really bad about this. We tend to be black and white. It's kind of like, you know, like I said, we either got to walk up to a woman and say, I want to fuck you, or we got to hide the fact from her that we have sexual intent. And some of the most powerful ways I've found for a man to communicate sexual intent, like I said, it has to begin with you getting okay with your sexuality, that you have to get okay, that, that it's all right for you to be a sexual male. You have to work on this idea that if you have this idea in your head that women don't like sex or don't like men who want sex, that's wrong. That's distorted. Now, nice guys tend to meet a lot of really messed up women, and a lot of these messed up women, and I, and, and I chuckle, but it's just such a common pattern for nice guys, a lot of them have been sexually abused, and, and so they've got real issues around sex, and so we get our beliefs about what women think about sex from these messed up women that we tend to hang out with. But when I started dating, again, about 12 
12 years ago and started doing uh, a lot of things more effectively, and I'm going to share a couple of those in just a second, I wondered what planet I had landed on because every woman I met had a strong sexual interest. These gals were wanting to have sex on first and second dates. I started getting where women were propositioning me for sex. And I was in my 40s, and I'm thinking, what just happened here? This is not the worldview I grew up with. But what had happened, I'd started doing some things different. One, I was comfortable in my own skin. Um, I wasn't seeking women's approval. But three things that I've begun to teach men to do really I found were very effective in communicating sexual intent and creating that positive emotional tension with women that, that, I've, that I've talked about. And I, I just call it the three T's, and that's touch, tease, and tell. And as touch women a lot, touch them on the arm, touch them on the small of the back, take their hand and lead them somewhere, lean your body in next to them and just, you know, press up against, but it's a dance, kind of lean in and lean out, you know, touch them in, in every opportunity. If you have the impulse to touch them, touch them, lean in, touch, and then lean back a little bit. Tease them. Be playful with them. Make up nicknames for them. Exaggerate things. Um, just be a real playful guy with them. And tell them what to do. And, and this is really challenging for nice guys because we think that will make, well, make us the bad man and, and the women will be pissed off. But in my experience is it doesn't piss them off. It turns them on. And the way I put it is tell them to do what they already want to do. Like, hey, hey, come over here. Come talk to me. Or point to your cheek with your finger and say, hey, kiss. Um, or say, take your phone out and say, give me your number. I'm going to call you up and we're going to go out next Friday night. Tell them what to do because it, it establishes the, the kind of dominance that turns women on and activates their own sexual desires. So touch them, tease them, be playful, and tell them what to do. Now, none of this is done in a controlling way. Uh, a way that, that has an attachment outcome that you're trying to get them to do something. It's a dance. It's being playful. It's, it's bringing that, that fullness of who you are as a man, as a sexual being, to her and giving her a chance to respond to that in you. There's so many great points that you're making here. I think from a strategy perspective, you're dead on. I mean, the idea of, I mean, I think about touch when a what, for the guys who are listening out here, if you're a man, think about any time you've been around a woman that you are even semi-attracted to and she touches you, it creates a, a, a reaction in your body, right? And so I have a, I've coached women and I tell them, hey, if you're talking to this guy and you've been talking to a guy for a while, he doesn't make a, a move, assume that he's nervous and try touching him and then see how that, that, that impacts his behavior. And the same thing is true for, for men. Uh, when you touch a woman, if she's kind of interested in you, it's going to cause a, a reaction in her body. Uh, we, we react to touch. I think that's so important. The second thing that you talked about, teasing kind of positions you from what, you, as you call the nice guy or really kind of a beta, a beta male or somebody who's seeking the validation of somebody who they assume has higher status. They're trying to build alignment to a situation where... Yeah, you're not really one you're creating like a fun energy and you are um but you're also positioning yourself as somebody who is in a more dominant situation because humans as men we or even just people we tend to not we tend not to tease people where who we feel threatened by mm -hmm. right or we're worried about their rejection and then the last idea uh, again uh telling uh, asserts uh asserts that kind of dominance so i think these are 
a hundred percent right on. You also talked a little bit about growing up in the '60s and, and kind of the feminist movement, and I, and I feel like there's a, a lot of a, a long a large element of that uh, in society today. You look at something like Jezebel, or even the other day I was on Yahoo, and and they were looking at taking pictures of the World Cup, and instead of saying, "Oh, these are hot women," they were referring to them as photogenic fans. <laughs> and 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 I think that like I think that there is this, this kind of issue where there are some some women who have been abused, they've been assaulted, they've had some really bad experiences, and as a consequence of that, they're frustrated, they're upset, um, and so they vocalize their 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 opinions. They think every guy is a an asshole or he's misogynistic, but it's not a good representation of where most women are at. Do you, do you I, see some I, of these parallels? Oh, I, I agree with you 100% because, as I said, I grew up with that, and I guess it stuck to me, you know, because maybe it already fit my belief system that I thought my dad was a bad man, he treated my mom badly, and so it really stuck to me during the 60s and 70s, and I, I didn't want to be that bad man. Now, what's interesting is I got older and talked to younger women who, who told me they were feminists. And, and I'd say, well, okay, here's the feminist, feminism I grew up with. It was, you know, a bunch of angry women that hated men and thought penises were bad. And, and these younger women would go, no, that's not what feminism is about at all. And I said, well, well, that's all I heard. And they basically would tell me, no, that was just a few angry lesbians that were pissed off at men. But they made a lot of noise. But, they, but even these younger women say, that's not how what feminism is about. Feminism is just about the empowerment of women. It's not about men being bad. So it actually took me a while to unlearn that. Now, where I still run into it is, is both with men my age. I'm in my 50s. But I run into it with a lot of younger men, too, who've been raised by single moms who maybe also kind of had some of this angry feminist bent because, you know, they've been maybe abandoned by a man, treated badly by a man, and they communicate those same messages to their sons as they raise them. And so I've worked with a lot of young men that also have this same fear of being the bad man, and they kind of attribute that, oh, all, all women, you know, think men are bad that, that are, want to have sex or this or that. And as I said, when I got out there and started dating, and I'd already cleared out a lot of my internal belief systems, a lot of my self-limiting beliefs, I found out that the majority of women I met had really good attitudes towards sex. In fact, what a lot of women tell me is, you know, why, why are men so passive? Why do they go so slow? Why do they, like, take so long to talk to me? Or why, if they're having a good conversation with me, why don't they just ask for my phone number? Or why won't they take the lead? And I'll tell women, I'll say, well, basically, we're afraid of you, and we don't want to get rejected. And the women go, that's silly. <laughs> And, and, and so what I keep hearing from women is talk to us, ask us out, be assertive, uh, take the lead. Yeah, you know, give us a chance to warm up because we're probably going to have sex with you, you know, but lead us in that direction. Don't make us be the ones that have to take the initiative all the time. And, and what I've found with so many of the men I work with is that so many guys, and I was this way too, believe that, oh, there's something wrong with me. Women just aren't interested in me. Attractive women don't find me attractive. I just, and, and, and that's, that's 
actually far from the truth. What really has happened is that we've been so passive with women, so indirect, we've had our sexual intentions so repressed, we will avoid taking risk at all costs. We don't want to do anything that might possibly upset a woman. And I'll just tell your listeners up front, if you're afraid of upsetting a woman, you'll actually never do anything that might turn her on either. That, that the reward is won through risk. So a lot of guys think, well, women can just see through me and see that I'm a loser. No, that's actually not what's happening. We've just never been assertive enough or taken the lead or acted competently enough around, around women to give them a chance to actually follow us and to feel something towards us. So uh, I, I love what you're teaching the guys, and, and if we can just get men to get out of this passive, pleasing place with women... And, and, and quit trying to seek their approval, the guys are going to have a lot more success, which I know you've seen as well. Dating coach Chris Luna here. This is the perfect time to take a quick break to talk to you about three simple things that you can do to dramatically change your life. First, listen to this entire podcast and then subscribe through SoundCloud, iTunes, or Stitcher. This way you'll immediately be notified every time we share a new release. If you listen and apply the ideas we discussed on these podcasts, it will change your life forever. Second, go to craftchristmas.com, create an account, and become a member of our community. There you can read articles, listen to podcasts, watch videos, ask us questions, and document your journey in our forums. Great men don't become great on their own. All great men are members of a community, and Craft Charisma is your community. Finally, if you're serious, and I know that you are, about making massive changes to your life as quickly as possible, check out our live coaching programs on our website. Craft Charisma Live programs are the fastest way to improve your dating and social life. And who knows? Attend our live programs, let us get to know you, and you may end up as a member of the Craft Charisma team. Again, thank you for listening. Now back to the podcast. One other thing that kind of comes up a lot. And as, as you were talking, it made me think of this. Guys will sometimes tell me, well, women, uh, women don't want sex as bad as men. And then sometimes women will bring up the same thing. I've been in lectures where some woman raises her hand and she doesn't like something I said. And she says, well, uh, women don't want sex as, as much as men. And I look at them like that's complete bullshit. Uh, all you have to do is look at whether or not the population is increasing and decreasing and women got to have sex with men in order for the population to increase and and uh, it doesn't seem to be uh, doesn't seem to be dropping anytime soon like women want to have sex but there is a lot of shaming around uh, for women around being as expressive about their sexuality as they really are and I think that uh, it's amazing when you're a man who women feel that they can be comfortable with their sexuality around that you just get way more options. You, you really do. And here, here I'm, uh, we'll blow your listeners' minds with this. And this is, I actually recorded another podcast about this subject. Uh, it, do women want more sex than men? Now, I grew up, you know, with this typical view of, oh, you got to get a woman in the mood. You know, they don't want sex as much as men. I had that frustration in my marriages. As a marriage therapist, I've listened to plenty of men frustrated with that. Well, there's usually two, one of two issues going on. Either the woman has been sexually violated at some point in her life and she's repressed her sexuality, or the guy is doing nothing 
to turn the woman on. Nothing. Not, he's not creating any emotional tension. But as you mentioned, just go back to the biology of it, that women are wired to have multiple orgasms. Men aren't. Uh, women make a lot more noise uh, when they're having sex than men do, probably to alert the other tribe members back in our tribal days that she's an estrus and, and she's having sex so the rest of the tribe could line up. But back then, the, the tribe took care of the babies as well, so the woman wasn't stuck being a single mom. But the example that I give guys to make the point is I tell guys, all right, let's pick 10 of the most attractive women you can imagine and bring those 10 women to, to a room. And you get to have sex with every one of those women. And I'll ask the men, how long do you think it will take for you to ejaculate, to have orgasm with all 10 of these women? And probably depending on a guy's age and, and his sex drive, you know, for some guys that's, well, okay, it might take me a day or two. You know, for other men, it's going to take them a week or two to get through 10 women and ejaculate inside of 10 women. Okay, you get one woman in a room and bring the 10 most attractive men she can imagine. And how long is it going to take her to have an orgasm with those 10 men? It made me think of Jane uh, Goodall's book or her books. And in there she talks about uh, chimpanzees, which are... Genetically, one of the closest um, closest members of the animal kingdom to human beings, and their sexual behavior is exactly the way that you describe. Like a, a woman will, I mean, a female will go essentially in the heat, and the males will literally just kind of line up. First, the alpha uh, will have sex with her, and then after the alpha, like literally, they will, like all the males will have sex with the female. And uh, there's been a lot of kind of literature that describes exactly what, what you're saying. It's one of the reasons um, that people believe that women have evolved to have multiple orgasms. But I would say to the men listening, ask yourself the question, if women are biologically wired to have more sex more often with more partners than men are, if they're biologically wired to do it, and if society has, has, is so afraid of that sexuality that we've created all kinds of ways to shame women and scare them out of having sex, think of all the negative names we have for women that are sexual. Okay, if the female sex drive is that powerful, why is it that we as men are not experiencing that from the women we meet? Now, it may not have anything to actually do with the woman's sexual desire and sex drive. It's probably two things. Number one, it's probably social prohibition that she's grown up with. But it's probably the second thing is, is we're not doing anything to activate her evolutionarily, biologically wired desire to have sex. And that's on us. That's not because a woman isn't, you know, sexually interested. It's because we're not triggering that for her or giving her the opportunity to follow our sexual lead. And, and again, I teach married men these principles and single guys as well. In general, women love sex. Most women tell me that. When they find out I teach men about sex, they tell me, oh, yeah, you know, they love sex. And... So somehow we men got to get out of our own way and start giving women the chance to have all the sex they're wanting to have. <laughs> and it's so true. <laughs> See, that, that would be a nice thing to do, right? Yeah, yeah no, it, I mean, it's absolutely 100%. What you're saying is absolutely 100% true. And, and, I, and I, I mean, I think about even my own personal experience. I used to be really, really shy uh, around women in, in my early 20s. And I first girl I kissed was a girl I went to prom with. I lost my virginity in my early early 20s and um, I'll never forget I had kind of fallen in love with a girl and the relationship had fallen apart and I talked to an older female friend 
And she told me, she goes, I want you to text her that uh, I want you to eat her pussy. That, 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 to, for me to text her, I want to eat your, your pussy. And I told her, I was like, I could never send her that. And she goes, why? And I said, well, because, like, uh, I mean, I just can't. And she goes, but you've already had sex with her. So you guys already have, uh, you already have a basis for that. And so it was, like, just so much for me at that time in my life. Uh, even though she was right, the context would have been appropriate. And it was so much for me. It took me about six or seven months before I would finally send it to a girl. And the next girl I dated, uh, I sent her that. And she texted me back, ha, 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 ha. And, uh, and the reason why she sent me that was because it was so inconsistent with who I was at that time in my life. I was getting comfortable with the idea of, of sex and the fact that I'm a man. And even though I was being... Uh, I was just becoming, uh, beginning to become kind of sexually active. I just, I just wasn't comfortable with this. And over time, I became comfortable with it. And as a consequence of that, I had the opportunity to experience a lot of things that you're describing, or you described at the beginning of this interview, where um, women would go out of the way, their way to proposition me. Um, I had experiences that most guys would probably, I mean, just would fantasize about. And uh, a big part of that, I think, is rooted in the fact that I became comfortable with my sexuality and I began to understand how it, how important sex was or how how normal sex was for for a lot of women the lot the women that I w that I was attracted to because the women who had real big issues with a lot of uh, with sex and a lot of these ideas were the women who were who were just uncomfortable because they uncomfortable with these ideas because they were unhealthy they had they were dealing with trauma um, does it does this make sense to you? You know, I, I, it makes perfect sense, and I, I would say it, it it exactly reflects my own experience. And uh, here's two things: as long as you have, we're going to see the world to be what we believe the world to be. All right, we're, we're, our mind always believes what the mind tells itself is true. So if you've grown up believing you're bad for having sexual desire or sexual intention, and if you've grown up believing women think sex is bad or don't like sex or think men who want sex are creeps, you will find the world to be that way. And and I'm I'm just like you. When I started confronting my own self-limited beliefs about my own sexuality and about women. Not only did it totally, like I said, I, I, I couldn't figure out what planet I'd landed on when women everywhere I went after I got divorced were, you know, I'd go on a first date and they're wanting to have sex at the end of the date. And I'm thinking, wow, I couldn't get my ex-wife. We'd go six months without sex. And, and I started realizing that part of the biggest part of it was I had changed my belief system. And, and now I'm in my 50s. I have a girlfriend. We've been dating, just celebrating our fifth anniversary of dating. She consistently wants more sex than I do because I do things that keep her heated up uh, internally with a lot of those kind of text messages that you're talking about. She, the raunchier the text message I send her, the more she likes it. And, and, and the amazing part is I've gotten comfortable with my sexuality. I still can't explain this one, but I get women in their 20s and 30s coming on to me, hitting on me, even with my girlfriend around. And, and I'm thinking, I, I got women 20 years younger than me expressing sexual interest in me, and I'm not even like sending them a sexual vibe. I'm just being me. I'm just walking the planet comfortable in my own skin, and women are attracted to that. And, and so, yeah, 
I agree with you 100%. The more your listeners can find ways to shed their own repressive sexual beliefs and and their beliefs about women and, and women's desire about sex, the more they will naturally start attracting women to them that like sex. Now, I'll also warn your listeners, and maybe you went through this too, this can actually be scary to a lot of guys. If you've kind of been repressed all your life and you did all, you know, you had to, you thought you had to get women in the mood to have sex, and now all of a sudden the women are being more sexually aggressive and more sexually demanding, that can kind of trigger anxiety in us men of thinking, oh no, I'm not going to be able to satisfy her, I'm not going to be able to do it enough, I'm not going to be good enough. And many of us are actually much more comfortable with the old paradigm of, of thinking we got to pursue them because then it's actually not near as anxiety producing. As you were telling me that, it made me think of the Bruno Mars uh, lyric where he says, uh, I only have one carrot and they all have to share it. <laughs> that is good. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I, something else that it made me, uh, made me think about was just the idea that guys, especially nice guys, and, and at one point in my life I would describe myself, I'm still, I, I still describe myself as a nice guy. And when I say I was a nice guy, like I've always been a nice guy, when I was in junior high school I was voted like the nicest guy. And, uh, and so like, I understand I would still describe myself as a nice guy, but I'm a guy who like is very clear about my intent, uh, especially when I'm around a woman that I'm attracted to. And one thing that I've realized is that although women like, like flowers, uh, they're much more likely to see you again. Um, if you've given them good sex, as opposed to a nice bouquet of flowers. Oh yeah. And I'll just be blunt, fuck them well. And they're going to keep coming back now. But, but there's a paradox here. If you start trying to please a woman sexually, you'll actually create bad sex because you'll just kind of fall into the do what worked last time and, and, and playing it safe. So one of the things I talk with men about is what I call the three rules for great sex, since we seem to have segued into sex here. And, and the three rules are really simple, but I found that, that most men, especially nice guys, have a hard time not only remembering them, but practicing them. But it's actually a great way to help help push yourself through the fear you have around sex or, or of doing something that might offend a woman. But the three rules are real simple. Rule number one, it's your job to approach her. Doesn't matter who the her is, whether it's a woman you've just started talking to or, or whether it's your girlfriend or your wife. It's your job to approach her as if she's the most open-minded, adventurous woman on the planet. So that means you're going to assume she's going to like everything you're going to do to her. Everything you're going to propose, every, every place you're going to lead her. Your job is to assume she's open-minded, adventurous, and is going to like it. That way you don't preempt yourself, pre-reject yourself, or hold back in any way. Because as soon as you start holding back any impulse you have sexually when you're with a woman, you're going to actually start putting a lid on her ability to truly be penetrated and have a great experience. Now, when I say penetrated, I don't just mean physically, but I mean emotionally, by your entire presence. So rule number one, it's your job to approach her as if she's the most open-minded, adventurous woman on the planet. Rule number two, it's her job to tell you no if there's anything she doesn't want or doesn't want to do right now. So if you assume she'll tell you no, if you, you know, slide your finger up her ass, and if she says, oh, no, don't, don't do that right now, okay, 
That's fine. She'll tell you no, and therefore you don't have to hold back. She'll let you know. Assume she's an adult that can say no. In fact, even tell a woman the three rules before you get naked with her. I found it, they, they get that look in their eyes when they hear the three rules. Rule number three, don't take anything personally. Go back to rule number one. So if you do do something that she's not real comfortable with, don't, don't think, oh, no, I was bad. Uh-oh, I did it wrong. Uh-oh, she's mad at me. Uh-oh, she'll never want to see me again. Uh-oh. Just assume, just in that moment, that's not what she wants, whether it's you doing an, uh, any kind of overture on a date or whether you guys are naked in bed. Doesn't matter. Go back to rule number one. Keep approaching her as if she's the most open-minded, adventurous woman on the planet. Now, here's something else. Not only is that going to make you a very bold, um, fun guy for women to be with, it's going to do something else that most men are terrified of, but it's one of the most effective dating tools that there is, and that is the willingness to get to rejection quickly. Most men do not like to be rejected, so they won't do anything that might risk a rejection. But at the same time, that means they don't do anything that might create uh, enough risk of reward as well. And if you're willing to get rejected quickly, i.e., find out that the woman has low interest in being with you or being sexual with you, if you're willing to find that out quickly, number one, you can be bolder, but number two, you're not going to waste your time trying to figure out if a woman likes you or trying to please her or get her approval. Be bold, be willing to get to rejection, and then do a little happy dance if she has low interest and move on. And Because there's a lot of other women out there that are going to have high interest in a guy that's practicing the things you and I are talking about. Oh, there's so much great stuff here. You mentioned that uh, guys need to get kind of comfortable with sex, and I agree 100%. What are some of the things that they can do to get comfortable with sex? Because a lot of guys think, uh, well, I'm going to get comfortable with sex by watching porn, for example. Like, um, what, what are some strategies that the guys can use to develop the skill set? Well, some of the things that I know I did, um, and, and yes, I'm not a big advocate of porn. I think in general, porn is not good for men and it, it creates a lot of, a lot of negative things that, have, that affects us sexually. And, and, and that's a whole nother podcast, but one of the things I did, as I said, I, I went to some therapy. I, I went to a therapy, actually, with a woman therapist who specially was sexuality. And, and one of the things that was good for me is it was a little bit older woman. She was older than me, but she liked men. And she had a very sex-positive attitude. And so I could go both, I did individual therapy with her and men's group therapy for a few years where we could just talk about anything and everything about sex and just really kind of clear out all the shame I had about it, shame about myself as a sexual person. And um, so one thing I did was do a lot of therapy. Another thing I did was I quit hanging out with women that had a negative attitude towards sex, and that's one of the reasons I got divorced. There were others, but that was a big part of after 14 years of marriage with a woman who rarely wanted to have sex with me, I, I quit hanging out with women that didn't like sex. Now, here's something else that I did, and this may sound maybe contradictory, but it was actually helpful to me. I remember I had a, a teenage client, and this was several years ago, and I, I'd never looked at porn very much. It was never something I was uh, drawn or attracted to. But this, this teenage male client came in because his parents caught him looking at porn, and, and one of the things I do with men to help them break the porn habit is show me what they look at. And that tends to take a lot of the shame out of it and take kind of the desire out of it. 
Um, and he was actually into what's called amateur porn, just, you know, average women, just their boyfriends taking pictures of them or their girlfriend, you know, taking a picture and them just, you know, posing and being silly. And, and it wasn't posed professional porn. It was just average women, you know, in a sense, being sexually playful. And so as he showed me his amateur porn, I thought, huh. This goes against everything I think about women, that, I, that I, I think women think sex is bad. But here's all these women being sexually playful, posing for their boyfriends or, you know, their best friend or whatever, and, and not being at all inhibited. They're liking their sexuality. So believe it or not, that, that, that teenage kids, amateur porn helped me change my self-limiting beliefs that women don't like sex. And, and so those are probably some of the more powerful things I did. Going to a safe place where I could reveal myself as a sexual person, therapy, men's group, 12-step group, and, and just get all of your inner bullshit about sex out there in the open and find out you're not a bad guy because you have sexual thoughts or that you're attack, attracted to breasts or, or that you are turned on by pornography. Go someplace where you can open up be you, and get accepted for you as a sexual being, and then get out there and start being more open with the people you meet. Be, and again, as you said, it's not just walking up to a woman saying, I want to have sex with you, but when you're comfortable in your own skin, you won't be so worried about any, any single woman's judgment about you as a sexually desirable man. You mentioned judgment. How does, I mean, how does judgment come into play? Because I think it, does, it comes in multiple elements, right? Like you have uh, what men judge women before when they enter the, the interaction, they first meet them. And I feel like women pick up on that. They judge themselves. Can you expand a little bit on this idea? Are you talking about in terms of attraction? Yeah. I, I, well, I think just in, when it comes to both attraction and sex, I think that judgment is like, it's something that comes up. Guys judge themselves when, uh, as an example, they, they approach a woman and they think, well, um, she, she's not going to like me because, um, because like of X, Y, Z. Um, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Here, well, here's where I see a way that a lot of men do this it is again, we tend to believe that women evaluate us in the way we evaluate them. And so, for example, we tend to evaluate women primarily on their physical appearance. You know, are they hot? You know, what are their breasts like? What's their ass like? You know, are they pretty? And, 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 and I don't mean this in a negative way, but we're shallow, at least in our initial attraction to a female. You know, guys will say, well, you know, how, how do you walk up to a woman that you like and, and start a conversation? And I say, what do you mean a woman you like? Well, you know, you see a woman across the room and you like her. And I go, what do you mean you like her? Uh, you mean you're attracted to her? Yeah. I go, okay, how can you like her? You don't even know her, right? But you're attracted to her. So that is kind of the basis of male attractions, that physical thing. And and the thing about us guys, you know, you live in, in New York. I mean, you go to New York City, you walk down the street, and your head's going to be turning constantly. You're going to see lots of pretty women, lots of beautiful women. And that's just how we're wired. We're wired to notice all of those female body parts, and, and we see them all over the place, and we're attracted. Okay, we men tend to think women are the same way, the, the same as we are. And so what we men tend to do to our own detriment is we look around and see other men. 
Now, maybe we judge ourselves on physical appearance compared to them. We'll say, well, that guy's got more hair than me, or, oh, man, that guy's in a lot better shape than me, or that guy's taller than me, or that guy's got a lot more money than me, or that guy's, he's got a lot more social skill than me. And because we can look around and see all these men that we judge to be better than us in some way, we assume women are also noticing all those same men and would gladly pick them over us. So in a sense, our own self-judgment and thinking that women are all judging us in the same ways that we are, um, and so we, we, we don't think woman A, B, or C is going to be interested in us because she can, we, we look at that other guy, well, he's taller than me, she'll want him. Or he makes more money than me, she'll want him. Or he's got six-pack abs, I don't, she'll want him. But that's not how the way, that's not the way women make relationship decisions. It's not how their biology works. In fact, the thing that, I, that I've been telling men for years, that as a guy, if you approach a woman with confidence, she will experience the exact same release of brain chemicals that you would experience if she lifted up her shirt and showed you her tits. It's that biological. Men are turned on by tits, Women are turned on by confidence, by, by power, by dominance, by the ability to keep her safe and protect her and provide for her. It's biologically wired into them. So when we approach a woman passively or thinking, well, you're not going to, I know you won't like me or you wouldn't want to go out with me or I know you'd probably rather be with that other man over there. He's better looking. We're not going to activate anything biological in the woman. And then when she doesn't have a response to us, we're going to go, oh, yeah, see, I'm, 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 I really am a loser. Women aren't interested in me. And I promise you, like I've shared with you, when I got comfortable in my own skin, and quit trying to please people in general, especially quit trying to please women, and, and got bolder with my behavior and touched and teased and told and just, you know, talked to men and, and was a, became more of a social creature, women started noticing me and I had no problem getting numbers, getting dates, getting, getting laid. And, and it, it had to do with me quit judging myself and quit seeking other people's approval. Mm. Robert, this has been absolutely awesome. Unfortunately, I have to wrap this up. Thank you so much for taking the time to talk to me. It's been a total pleasure. And if you're listening and you want to learn more about Dr. Glover, his book, his programs, we're going to post some links on the Craft of Charisma website and within the description of this podcast so you can learn about him more easily. Thank you again for taking the time to talk to me. Chris, thank you. It was fun. It's dating coach Chris Thona here. Thank you so much for taking the time to listen. And we absolutely love making this podcast. We make this podcast for you. So if there's somebody that you want on the show, let me know. I will yell, scream, stand in front of their house, do everything I do to get them on the show for you. Also, don't hesitate to follow the podcast on SoundCloud and iTunes and Stitcher. You can also give us a shout out through social media, Facebook, Twitter, share it with your friends. And lastly, Go to the Craft Christmas website and create an account. There you can talk about the podcast and kind of communicate with me directly. So thank you again for taking time to listen. You will hear again from me soon.